All right. Hey, everybody. Clearly, I am not George Bardisi. Uh, it's Ken Patterson with Taylor Business Group. I am filling in for George today. He had some stuff to tend to. But good news is Shane and I know each other pretty dang well. Yeah, um, we do. And <laughs> we've met we met on the bus tour a couple of times. And um, so we're basically going to get to Shane stuff in a few minutes. But as George always does, I'm going to go through some quick housekeeping to show what's going on in the world of MSPI. Uh, let me pop over to that screen real quick and share that out. All right, fantastic. So, and as hopefully everybody can see the screen. Uh, MSP Community Minds, that's uh, a new event that's coming up for uh, MSPI. That event is August 14th and 15th. Um, it's a must-see educational event. It's going to be purely educational where you're going to walk away with actual things that you can use in the industry. Um, I think George and team has done a great job of doing so many events and finding out what works and what doesn't work. And Shane, I think you can agree. We go to events a lot of times and come back with all this crazy information, but don't really have something to walk away with and kind of apply right when we leave. So That's true. Um, this is nice. This is a nice addition. Yeah, and, and this is going to be uh, in Denver. It's going to, it'll be a great event. So make sure you register for that to get out to that event. It is a cool event. Um, and then, of course, there's the many block parties that George and team do. You got they have a community par block party in Prague with Enable. Uh, they have community block party in Dublin with DattoCon. They're also doing our event, uh, TBG's event in Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood, uh, Florida with the community boat. Um, and then also they have a block party in Orlando. So make sure you head over to the MSPI initiative, yeah, MSP initiative website to check all these dates out and find out what's going on where and make sure you register and come out and check this stuff up. There hasn't been a single party that MSPI has thrown or done that hasn't been unbelievable. And it always feels like one is better than the next. It's as crazy as that sound. It seems so amazing that they're, they have that availability to just make every event better than the next. So I'm going to get off the share here so they can see both of our, well, your beautiful face. My mind might cloud it up a little bit, Shane. Oh, yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> between between so, the two of us, we'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to go to about quarter of today. We're going to have about 45 minute session. Um, so it's going to be a little bit short, but that's okay. We're going to get a lot in in that time. And Shane knows what he's chatting about here. And I'm sure we're, we're going to get some great stuff rolling here. Make sure you ask questions. If you have a question that pops up, throw it into the chat. We'll grab it and make sure we get it answered. But first, I'd like to introduce Shane. Shane, why don't you give a little uh, information about who you are mm -hmm. and uh, what you're doing? Sounds good. I appreciate it, Ken. So my name is Shane Mishler. I am the Chief Operating Officer for SD Tech. Uh, we are an MSP in San Antonio, Texas. We do business across the nation, but we're, we're housed out of San Antonio. <clears throat> our MSP was started, uh, technically it was started in 1997 by our founder, Wes Olmer. Um, he really got it going in the year 2000, though, and it's been pushing forward. Uh, I, I came on board about three and a half years ago. In the last three and a half years, we've done some pretty amazing things together. I've met Ken. That was one of the amazing things that we've done together. <laughs> I think we've met, I think we've hung out a couple of times, right, Ken? Twice? Yeah, there was two. We had two bus bus stops. Um, I think one was, I think they were both at your site, right? Or one, no, one was no. at your site, one was somewhere else, and you guys came out. Right. Yeah, so there was we two, came out. There was two stops there, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, I. Th when was the last time I saw you? Was it? It's been two. It's been it a few was the years, last, hasn't it? It was the wind down of COVID. So maybe a year and it a was, half. Yeah, roughly. Had, year, roughly. I, I think at that point in time, we may have mentioned to you that we were uh, considering franchising our yes. organization. Yeah, we had a whole conversation wrapped yeah. up. Yeah. So, 
So we we got everything nice and legal uh, right around a year ago, and now we're in the process of onboarding our very first franchisee. So it's nice. been it's been about two years in the making, and it's been uh, to be quite honest, it's been a lot of headache <laughs> getting everything getting everything right. put together. But you know we're 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 in the midst of the onboarding process for the first franchisee. So it's it's been an exciting time, man. It really has. Nice, nice. Well, I like I said to Wes all along, I was in the franchise business for a for a clip there, and uh, I know what things didn't work mostly. You know, you always <laughs> it's funny how everybody talks about what does work, but it's always good to talk about the things that don't work and why, and try to avoid those things. So yeah, we'll we can have a whole other show about franchise. Yeah, we 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 really could. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> and how that works. Uh, before SD Tech, just a little bit of background. I've got a little over a decade of. Uh, professional professional time in the tech space, mostly in upper middle management. Uh, prior to professional tech life, I did five years in oil and gas as a roughneck, and I did five years as restaurant management. So uh, kind of bounced around a little bit before I knew what I wanted to do. And now it's really chasing after the two things I like. And that's, uh, you know, anything with a technology background, but with people at the forefront. So whether that's in management or building out relationships, uh, building out relationships with our new franchisees, these types of great partnerships like Ken and I have, uh, just, I love the community aspect. And, you know, uh, sometimes it can get a little bit lost in the tech space, but the reality is, is um, as a whole, I think that as far as like competition goes in our space, man, we are really community centric. Um, you yeah. know that us and one of our strong competitors here in San Antonio, uh, we don't even view them as competitors. We go out to the movies once a month. We go out for dinner together, drinks. We're friends first. And, you know, we build each other up. And I think that's really important in the community. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, we call it coopetition, right? There's no, <laughs> yeah. more, there's no more competition. It's coopetition. And, you know, I mean, you know this, and that's that's why you're successful. You, when you get past that whole uh, as uh, George likes to call it, castle mentality, right? Where you're just blocking everybody out because mm -hmm. you're going to get my secret sauce. Man, when you get past that, you find out that, first of all, you might not even been competitive in the first place. They <laughs> might do things that you don't do and you guys could help each other in many, many other ways. But even further than that, what if you have a time where you don't have enough feet on the street, you're not ready to hire yet, and you have a trusted person, you could say, hey, Shane, man, I need some feet on the street. Can you send someone over to this account, act like you're us? And, and they know they can trust that when you build those relationships yep. up. So there's, uh, I found a long time ago that, that, that is a big difference, especially since we're going to talk about hiring, right? You know, when you're not ready to quite hire that next person, what do you do in between? Well, that's one of the things you can do is that find is one of the things MSP that you trust and plug them in and understand they're going to act as you. And they're not trying to steal anything from you. There's no reason for that. You can only build each other's business up. And then, hey, by the way, somewhere down the line, you might merge. You never know. You might. You never know. You never know. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's got to be something that's always in the back of our mind is is just the mergers and acquisitions. You never know what's going to happen. And it starts, or at least it can start with a great relationship up front. It just makes right. everything so much easier. Yeah. And that's how, look, isn't it, isn't it funny that uh, the same goes for this business as it does in life. I mean, you, you make friends with people, you get to know them, understand them, and all of a sudden you trust each other and you know it goes on from there. It's the same thing with business. You have to know, like, and trust who you're working with and who you're dealing with. And 
You can't you can't treat everybody like they're trying to steal something from you. By the way, there is no secret sauce. We figured that mm -hmm. out, right? None. It's all about no. how you treat your people and how you treat your your partners, customers, however you want to, you know, talk about the people you serve. But that's really what it's all about. Yeah, can I, the relationship aspect is just so important. You know, and honestly, I the first time I met you, um, I think the first time I met you, I'd only been with SD Tech for maybe a year. Uh, and I was very new to the managed service space. And then I'm meeting somebody with of your stature and and I just felt like everybody knew you. And and then you're like, hey, I want to interview you and Wes. And Wes was like, hey, I want you to be the one that talks. And I'm like, dude, this guy's gonna grill me. I don't know what the hell's going on here. And then no, but, you know, you you made me feel really comfortable right up front. And then you showed me that that this space that I was now in, uh, it didn't have to look the way that that some people presented it. And it was very much you showed me that you're a, a man of relationships and and building those partnerships up and and it's being there for thing. one another and offering help it's a good thing it works shane or i'd be out of a job because <laughs> i mean honestly i can't do it any other way you know being from the northeast we're quite blunt and honest and straightforward yep. so you know i couldn't play the whole game where i'm you know blowing smoke up your wahoo and you know trying to keep trying to you know tell you things that are not true for me and, and I hate to say it's easy because people are like, well, it's not that easy. But for me, it, it's easy. Just be genuine. Believe in what you do and talk about that in a genuine way. And then you don't have to sell. And that's another thing that people give me crap about. But I truly believe that MSPs do not have to sell. You can educate. Through education, they're going to understand and be more, be more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for again? I always do this, prescriptive. Right. Because like a doctor would. Right. They tell us what's wrong with us. They give us the medication and we don't question it because we trust what they do. That's exactly. how MSPs have to be seen. And it's our fault because back in the day we tried to sell like used car salespeople. And now that's what, and now that's why everybody thinks of us that way. Yep. Um, and just making that change and turning the corner by, you know, let's forget about this sales crap. Yes, you can still use sales techniques to help get people out of their own way. Right. You can still use all these different techniques. But if you really believe in what you do and you know you're not selling them a used car that's going to fall apart the minute they drive off the lot, it makes your life easy. And if you don't have, to, I think your salespeople, if they understand that they don't have to sell, that they just have to keep that relationship tight and stay on top of their needs and dig for what their needs are and understand how to apply the solutions to these business problems. It opens up this whole other world. And for me, it comes so easy. I get frustrated when I talk about it, right? Because <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't You're feel passionate. like you have to be, I, well, I don't feel like you have to be in that, in that role and you have to push that. So yes, I agree with you. And I'm glad that that's how you felt. That means I'm doing the right thing. Cause I really do care about that. And when I, when I find people that, you know, come right into this industry and understand, whoa, it's actually easier than I thought if I'm just doing the, these things being genuine. Now, Nothing about being an MSP is easy. I would be, I'd be willing to bet that you even doing the roughnecking stuff at times, you're thinking, man, that was easier than this crap. <laughs> From well, I mean, the behind the scenes stuff. Seriously. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the, with the roughnecking stuff, you know, you, you came in and every day you knew what to expect and don't be wrong. There was things that could go wrong. I'm sure yeah. like if you're even somewhat familiar, you've seen blowouts and things that can go wrong, but even, even when things go wrong, you know exactly what needs to be done to handle it. And there's not a lot of variables. Versus the MSP space where, dude, I just swear, like every office has new variables that the office next door didn't have. Right. And, and then you're dealing with people and, and there's no, there's no process and procedure for dealing with people. There's no. not. It, not, it, not. Other truly, than being right. genuine, be genuine, just be who you are and, 
you know, if, if two people click and they, they like each other, it makes it a lot easier to do business. And I know you were talking about, uh, you know, hiring and, and I don't know when you want to transition, but all, everything we're talking about right now, it's the same thing for hiring. You know, it's, it's all the same processes and, and just, just being real and looking for people that you want to do business with. Right. Exactly. And we can transition at any time. That was a nice segue, Shane, whether you knew it or not, you kind of <laughs> segue right into it. I mean, right. Hiring is all about people too. So as we start yeah. to go down this road, um, uh, we had someone just post on here. Have you heard of the national society of it service providers? Their goal is to make MSPs more professional like doctors. I have heard of them. I believe it's, I believe Carl Parlachuk is a part of that group and AB ba Amy Babinchak. And that's great. There should be more people getting together and doing stuff like that. And hopefully that cause is driving forward. But thanks for pointing that. We pointing that out. What was that again? National it's called the uh, Society of it's, it's called the um the National Society of IT Service Providers. It's NSITSP. I haven't heard of that. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, it's a, a Carl's been in the Carl and Amy have both been in the business for a really long time. And I think that they could see where some things were going and they created this society to try to pull some stuff together. It's I, I think it's fairly new, but it, I'm not sure how with COVID. I feel like if it started right before COVID, it would seem like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel it like just, it's been a while. It seems like everything has been extended, but uh yeah, it, it is. It's very interesting. So so let's chat a little bit about what you wanted to bring to the table here today, Shane, because it's very important. And it seems like it's one of the one of the biggest issues for everybody across for the everybody. country is dealing with hiring and how they do that. Um, so, you know, why don't we dive into that real quick? So uh, I don't even know where to start. I know it has been a big <laughs> issue. And to be quite honest, I think that you and I talked about this uh a year ago, year and a half ago. And at that point in time, I I had been pretty lucky. SD Tech had been pretty lucky because we hadn't struggled with hiring. Um, right. We have grown in, in three and a half years. We've, we've grown from five people to 15 and uh, be coming in with a background very different than small business, right? I, I, I grew up in, in larger corporations. And while it's something I don't really miss, uh, one of the big benefits of that was building out a very strong and wide professional network. So early on with SD Tech, I was able to pluck from you know the the ten years of experience of working with thousands of people and bring on some some great employees. And several of those individuals are still here. Uh, I, actually, I think the majority of everybody you've met is still with me. Um, but our our newer wave of employees has been a little bit different, you know, and when we're, when we've been hiring new help desk technicians, the market's much different now than it was even two years ago. And, and it really is, it's a, it's a buyer's market. It's an employee's market. They're, they're really able to, to shop around and find what works for them. And on one hand, it makes our jobs a little bit more difficult, but on the other hand, man, I, I'm really glad to be, in leadership at this point in time, because I would much rather have to fight for good employees and versus seeing people having to settle for what they have to do. And, and this market really allows for individuals to chase after their passions, their dreams, uh, much better than it did five, 10 years ago. And while it can make things more difficult and challenging, we can, when we find the right people, 
it's a little bit easier to know that you found the right people because you know those people have chose you just as much as you've chose them. So let me ask you a question and all great stuff. But one thing that I think about now, as opposed to back when I was doing all the hiring I was doing as an MSP and, you know, the way I did things, and we'll go into that a little bit with you, but now the struggle seems to be, there's a lot of, I won't say, I'm not going to say the kids, because I think this is beyond just saying it's one group of millennials or this, that I I don't like that so much because you can say that about millennials, but I got to be honest, I met more people in that age bracket that work their butts off more than some of the people that I deal with that are older. So I'm not going to put everybody in a chunk of an age group, but there are a group of humans out there that feel privileged, that feel they're worth more than they are without even stepping a foot into whatever industry it is. Doesn't have to be the tech, but tech is one of the big ones and it's our focus today. But there's a lot of these people that come into the space and immediately say, well, I'm worth X. And it's like, but you haven't done Y and you haven't gotten, there's there's no, now uh, what I used to do is I used to train folks and give people the opportunity to come in and learn, but I'm not going to pay you a premium of what you're going to be worth a year from now. And so we get you to that point. So are you running into that? Are you seeing some of that as part of this? Absolutely. Right. So, uh, I have seen some of that and and the tough part can be when you know so for me it's it's easiest for you for me to tell you about the most recent challenging experience mm-hmm. I've had okay so I have one of my newer help desk technicians um she she had very limited experience she uh worked for Taskus I don't know if you've heard of Taskus they're a larger tech related a third-party call center for a bunch of various places, but she had some experience working at Taskus, very limited in the help desk space, and mostly it was mostly hardware repair. But she was also going to school for cybersecurity. And and you know how those numbers can range when you're getting into the cybersecurity field from entry level up to, you know, six right. and a half figures. And um, when when she started working with us, I knew that this was going to be a challenge I ran into, that she was going to, um, to a degree, expect more. And, and the reality is, Ken, is she's worth it. But I'm not in a position to pay her what she's worth two to five years from now right. when she is still learning the ropes. And, and MSP is such a, a different space, you know, to sidetrack for just a moment. My wife works for DigitalOcean, and uh, dude, I feel bad, but I can't remember her title, but it's, you know, support, dev, Linux, admin, something or another, and she's very, very specialized, and she makes really good money, but it's very, very specialized, and she handles a, a very narrow slice of the pie versus a help desk technician for an MSP where, dude, what aren't you handling? Right. But- you know, an MSP, a small MSP like ours, we're we're not in a position to pay somebody, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year, even if that's what I think that you're worth. So back to, to my, my newer help desk technician, we hired her on while she was still in college. We knew that we were going to uh, potentially lose her once she got out of school. And so we had been looking at how, how do we retain this employee? Well, a big piece of it is just being open, honest, and transparent and you know, just explaining this is where we're at. You're now looking at other opportunities. We really like you and we want you to stick around with the company. 
And then, so we took a step back as a management team, um, probably about two months prior to her uh, really getting out and looking at competition. And we said, okay, so where are we at with our current clients? What pain points do we have? What pain points for our clients have that we're not addressing the way we want to be addressing? And how much of that overlaps with where this employee is and, you know, this, the cybersecurity space is, you know, it's ever growing. And unfortunately, it's going to continue to be ever growing. I know like uh, unfortunate might sound like a word that a lot of people wouldn't use, but dude, I wish that this space wasn't growing as fast as it is. But when prior to this, you know, I was in tech for fraud and uh, I remember that the, the last place I worked, our fraud team consisted of five people. And then over the course of a year and a half, it blew up to 60. You don't want to see those spaces expand. It sucks. And cybersecurity is expanding, you know, in a way that reminds me of the way the fraud space jumped and it sucks. And we have to try and stay ahead of it. Anyway, so with this employee, we we carved out a position that fits what she wants to do. It allows her to focus on her passions and it allows her to contribute to the company in a way that no other employee has previously. So, you know, we made a new rec, we made a new position, and now she's carving out what that looks like. And that's not something we could do for every employee. Right. And it's not something I would recommend that any other business do for every one of their employees. But at some point when you know that talent could be really hard to retain, and if you know that you have somebody that's a, you know, a diamond in the rough, then look at what you can do. Look at what your company needs. Look at where, you know, what are you expecting over the next year to two years? And can you work out a plan with this individual that's going to incentivize them enough to, to stick around? And that, that piece of, of our philosophy that we've brought to the table with this is the same. This, it's a part of a larger philosophy that we, we look at with all of our hiring needs. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not in the business of trying to carve out a, a special role for every one of our employees, but it really is a matter of, can we do something that's going to make this person, this individual feel like they are part of a growing company and that they have an opportunity to, to shape what's around them. And uh, not everybody's interested in that, but the individuals that are, you know, then you're, you've got more of a a stake in the game and they're going to be in it for the long run. And then you can grow together. You, and I know that that SD tech is in a, is in a position where, you know, the next three to five years are going to look very different than the last year has looked uh, for a lot of reasons. And fortunately this person buys into that vision and she knows that, that she has a good opportunity in front of her. And so that's one of, one of the important parts and it's not directly focused on, you know, the initial hire, but, the retention is is equally important. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And listen, <clears throat> I found it interesting that you guys didn't just do this by gut or by, um, you know, oh my God, they're going to go somewhere else without really looking at the numbers and applying the numbers to how this person's going to be able to, you know, fit in this role. Um, and I think that's important. The most important thing too is when you're taking new employees on, and or you're taking existing employees and telling them, hey, this is where we're going. That's a big difference than a lot of companies because they don't tell their employees the vision, line everything up. And, and then, oh, by the way, you're a part of this. You're a big part of this. And this is where we want to go. 
that's where you're going to find your best people. I don't, I would say, I would strongly suggest not just overpaying somebody for that type of stuff. Make sure that, you know, you're still sticking to a, sticking to a guideline, a benchmark, right. something that, you know, is not going to put your company in at risk by doing it. But I do say you'd never let good people go. And you, and, you, and even with you, even I used to have this mentality where I was always recruiting, just always talking and out to people. And then my partners would be like, are you crazy? We can't do this. And then I would show them the numbers afterwards and say, look, every single time we've been in this position where we were running and we found a good person, someone that can plug right in, hit the ground running, the work came. It just followed behind because of the systems yes. we already had in place. And it was almost like that build it and they will come mentality, right? The field of dreams. It was you get good people and the work is the work comes and they become a part of the team and understand that and plug into the process. It's hard to find people like that. So I agree with you hundred percent as far as even that's concerned, but also apply that to, as you look, as you're recruiting, don't only recruit when you need somebody, because guess what? You always need good people. You know, Ken, it, everything you just explained, uh, you know, I know that both of us have heard this explained to, to other business owners or just whomever is handling the recruiting process. And, and it can seem like uh, you're speaking a foreign language, right? But then everything you just said, is part of every MSP's sales process when they're speaking with their clients. Right. So I don't understand how we can communicate this so well and understand it when we're talking about, you know, we, we have to explain to our clients that you can't wait until the day that your computer breaks. You know, you, you can't wait until your server dies because if you're doing this, you're going to put your company in jeopardy and you're losing all this money. Hiring and retaining employees is, it's literally the same. It's same. It the, is the philosophy is exactly the same, and it, it blows my mind that some people really struggle with right. it. Right, exactly. Wow, Keith just added in here um, as he works with community colleges and universities writing curriculum. I find a greater lust for knowledge. I am not seeing high pay demands; more about perks. Company Tesla. <laughs> I am asked more about how much knowledge and training over pay rates, um, and that's good. That's cool stuff too. What I like about the the, part, the whole part of this is. If you're hiring, and especially in our fields, you should be going to your local community colleges and not just going there to, to you know, pillage their, their talent, <laughs> but be a part of it. Be a part right. of the community college. Do what Keith does. Become part of the curriculum. Help them write the curriculum. Help them understand where that curriculum goes. Because if you're writing the curriculum, guess what? These people are already going the route that you already yeah. need to be. So, and, and we, I have a, there's another MSP out here in our, in our sandbox um, that he goes to the high schools and does early IT conversations because these kids are dealing with tech faster and earlier, but also they're not dealing with, they don't know all the stuff that they need to know. So he goes and steps in, talks about cybersecurity, talks about how they should be protecting themselves and how to build up. We know these kids are going to click on links, right? Then they're going right. to do all these things. And the cool part about that is, first of all, the kids are going to go home to their parents and talk about these things. So now you have parents that could be possible, possibly interested in your business because you're protecting their children. But these kids grow up and they grow up fast. And do. You get kids coming out of high school that have learned this stuff over a, you know, a couple of years. And now they're coming to you to say, okay, where do I go now? What do I do next? What's my next role? And they could become an intern. There's a, so these things, that growth, you're not only making the industry better by training young people, 
and bringing them on, but you're also have the opportunity for your own business to benefit from that because these people are not coming in with head trash from all the other places they worked. They're learning it. And then they're going right out into the right out into it. You're the first person that they talk to. Yeah. You know, it, and I mean, what you're talking about, it's, you know, I'm thinking immediately I'm, I'm hearing the the marketing and branding cycle and how you have to, you know, brand awareness and all these things. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're creating right. brand awareness with the next generation of people who are about to enter into the workforce. So, I mean, that's possibly, you know, building up, just building up our industry, which is incredibly important, potentially building up new employees. They're already going to recognize you as a leader in your industry, regardless of where you actually sit on the totem pole. And, and then to your point again, you know, it, they're going to go and they're going to share some level of that experience with their parents who are potentially in a business that may also be looking for somebody that, uh, you know, where you fit their needs. It's, right. it's incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit ago, Ken, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody about community and, and I was explaining to them that, that one of my favorite parts of my job is, you know, the technology is important. We're all passionate about technology at some level, but one of my favorite parts of my job is is the community aspect. It's the people aspect. I like that we're supporting small businesses and in, in, you know trying to make it easier for business owners to make money, which is wonderful. I like that I'm in a position now where I'm giving back to our community. You know, to going from five employees to fifteen employees has meant that I'm able to offer a great. Uh, opportunity for new people to come work at SD Tech and give back to our community, right? So it's a nice cycle. And now with the franchise space, now we're offering people an opportunity to build out their their portion in their communities. And during this, I was reminded, man, I have a really close friend of mine that's born and raised in San Antonio. Um, and his focus on community is is incredible. And he was telling me the story about how he had always wanted to be uh, a Spurs basketball player. And I know, but when he talked about it, it wasn't about, he didn't want to be pro NBA. He didn't want to play basketball. He wanted specifically to be a, you know, a member of the Spurs team. And I asked him, I was like, why? And he was like, dude, because this is our home. This is us. And the Spurs represents us. Everybody in the U.S., every, a lot of people outside of the U.S. know who the Spurs are. And I would love to give back to my community. The problem is, is that this dude's about five, six, five, seven. And, and he was like, there's no way I could ever do this. And so I was like, you know what, why are, why are you telling me all this? And he said, well, I'm, I'm thinking about joining the fire department. And I was like, that's why help me understand. Like I'm not, it's, normally I pick up things fairly quick, but I wasn't understanding the purpose of the story. And he was like, well, I can't be a Spurs player and I want to give back to the San Antonio community. And I feel like joining the fire department's a really good way to do that. And I loved his passion for our community. And that's something that I've wanted to incorporate in, in what I do day in and day out. And it, and now that, you know, I mean, that's, it makes sense. And when we're talking about hiring, having a passion for community, having a passion for allowing a person to better themselves. And if they're in a better position, they're going to help their, their neighborhood. And if they're helping their neighbor, you know, it has this big ripple effect and it's wonderful. Um, yeah. So that's, it, it makes it very easy to become passionate about about a pain point in in our industry because yeah. hiring can hiring can be very frustrating 
But if we remember why it is we're doing it and all of the benefits and how it's not just for our company, but it's for these individuals, it honestly, man, it, it's helped me out quite a bit. So some of the other things that we've changed in the last couple of years about how we're, we're managing our business, um, Wes, Wes in all of his professional life, all he's known is SD Tech, right? He, he worked for a couple of businesses right outside of high school. Uh, and then he found that that's not what he enjoyed doing. So he's just known SD Tech. And fortunately, I've seen the way, you know, some of our larger competitors run their business and, and I've been there. So uh, one of the things that we're doing is instead of doing an annual review process, which is typically, you know, a, a pain for everybody as an employee, as the employer, it's not a great process. You know, we've we've switched that up and um, we're being disruptive. We're doing quarterly reviews. And it's a pain from a management standpoint because you know you're doing these every 90 days, but it's really good because the stuff that you're talking about is fresh. And and then we're offering um, minor percentage-based raises, but you end up doing slightly better than you would if you're looking at an annual raise. And while it's slightly, it's, it's like a one to 1.5% uh, payroll increase versus doing annuals for SD Tech. But when we're talking about the the current competitive environment uh, that potential employees are in, we're offering something that nobody else does, and that's a great incentive for them. They don't have to wait a year. They know that every 90 days, there's going to be an evaluation, and in that evaluation, they're going to understand exactly what it is they need to be focused on, whether that's you know their their current strengths or you know building out their uh, skill set a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, but we, I love it. Yeah, so we we've been really focused on on trying to do things for once they're hired that are just going to provide better incentive to get them on board. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, just and, quick, Bruce. Uh, well, first, Keith Nelson had to throw his two cents in there and say that he'd rather be owner of America's only sports team, the Dallas Cowboys. Which <laughs> throw that out. I mean, come on. Um, and then. <laughs> And then uh, Bruce added in uh, EOS has some good videos on performing the quicker reviews, which they do. There's some good spot, good spot, good stuff within traction and even Patterson. And both of them have uh, some stuff about doing these quick reviews. So uh, both great, good things. Thanks for adding guys. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, one of the things that we did, and you know, I don't even know if it's viable anymore. You know, you have to talk to your accountant and figure <laughs> out smart ways to do it. But we used to do, um, it was almost like a, it wasn't like ESOP because you really weren't employee owned, but what we did was we had, um, we had, a, we called it pay for performance. And basically what I did is I created a chart of things for each employee or even each group, right? We broke everything into business units and each business unit had these things that had to get done. And then each, and then each person that was a part of each business unit had to complete their tasks. And what would happen is every quarter we would go through these and say, okay, where are we at? And if, if every business unit hit the mark and we had a profit, it went right to every one of those business units. Yeah. Business That's right? fantastic. And then if somebody didn't toe the line, they didn't get it. The whole team doesn't get it. It basically affects their business unit. So if their part didn't get some, and I'm talking about stuff that we hate, like technicians not doing their tickets, same, same right. as same time. So these guys, first couple ones were a little rough because people were upset and they were going at each other. But I'll tell you, they self-regulated fast. I, I didn't have a ticket problem anymore. My techs were doing their tickets. The cars were being washed. Stupid little things. I would put those on the list and say, hey, were these all met? 
in every one of the meetings, the business business unit leader would go through it with them, and then they'd come to the big meeting because they were meeting monthly. We would have the quarterly review and then talk about profits. So these everybody in the company, once they all started firing on all cylinders, they would get a good chunk of the profit, and we would and they knew what the bottom line does was. They knew when we were having bad months, when we were having good months. So it brought us closer together as a team because there was nobody in the company saying, oh, I don't know why we're not doing this or why we're not getting here. Yeah, you do. You didn't do these things over here and we fell down on this number over here. And it really brought the company together. It turned out to be a really cool thing. I mean, that makes total sense. You're, you're, you're nearly forcing that community aspect of everybody coming together and taking care of these small, tedious tasks and understanding how it impacts the bigger picture. And then, I mean, that's, that's everything that we've been pushing for. And honestly, Ken, that's probably something I'm going to take back with uh, Garrett, <laughs> who's sitting across from me right now. And we need to consider doing that because that yeah, really fits a, in good, with our culture. Right. And then uh, the good thing about that is it ties into hiring. Uh, when you're bringing people, folks in, you can let them know this is how it works. You all self-regulate. We don't We don't have to be the ones that decide, you know, you know, be behind the curtain and go, ho, 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 you get no raise this year. And it's all open. We were very open about how it all worked, where we were, what was going on, and you're all a part of it. Bringing people in was easier too. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you, and you're a Texas guy, so hopefully you're you're more on my side of the fence being a Northeast guy. But when I don't understand why companies feel like they have to tell, uh, they have to sell their business to to possible hires, right? They're like, make it sound like it's Disney World. And it, it's like, it's not. I tell people straight up, this is the hardest job you'll ever do. It might be, it could be the most rewarding too, but it's not an easy job. It's very difficult. And if I scared somebody away by the end of that conversation, that meant they probably would have cost me a lot of money in hiring, right? So there's something to be said about getting the right people and making sure that you're not just telling them it's sunshine and rainbows, because guess what happens? They get in there and realize it's a punch in the face. And then they're complaining about you at the water cooler. And there goes your, your culture right. downhill. Yeah, no, Ken. So that's, I think it's important, right? And so we, like right now we're talking about, you know, creating these nice benefits packages because whoever mentioned it earlier, I agree a hundred percent. People are not just looking for what their flat salary is going to be. We're, we're at a place where I think that uh, as a large, you know, society that we're, we're beginning to realize that there's a lot more than just money that is impacting our, our well-being and so we we talk about the benefits package up front to try and incentivize people, but uh, I'll tell you that Wes and my director of operations, it's the three of us that sit down when we're going through the hiring process, and I have made both of them a little bit nervous when we're talking with a a candidate who's really interested in the job and we're interested in them because they look good on paper or maybe we actually know them a little bit, but I explain like one of the biggest the biggest hurdles to overcome when you're entering into the managed service space, especially if you're entering in as a help desk technician is with the majority of other organizations, you're going to go in and you're going to know that between eight o'clock and 10 o'clock, this is what I'm responsible for. This is exactly what I'm doing at 10 o'clock to 10, 15, I'm taking a break 10, 15 to 12. I'm back at it again. I have these 10 issues and it's going to be one of these 10 issues and I'm helping out with tickets. And in our space, dude, that doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. Well, you, you, you know, you, even if you're working on printer-related issues, the number of different types of printers that exist in these clients' offices, it's vast. And that's one of the biggest hurdles. And some people, 
that's a space that they absolutely crave and they know they're going to work well in it. And then other people are like, wait, no, I like for things to just be very detailed out. I like to know exactly what I'm going to do. I like working on an assembly line. That's what makes me happy. I can go in, my mind goes numb and, and I just work through my day. And I've lost some good candidates that way. But I'll tell you, before I started doing that, I also brought on some people that thought they were really going to enjoy it. And then two, three months in, they're like, dude, I didn't realize what I signed up for. And, and then I feel bad. You know, I wasted this person's time. They could have been chasing after something that was going to be better for them. I wasted our company's time, our resources, and, right. and potentially, you know, impacted a couple of clients along the way. And so, yeah, it's absolutely better to be upfront and tell them the, the positives along with what are some potential negatives of working with your business, because you're going to weed out, um, I don't want to say bad candidates, it's just the incorrect people for your job. Right. They're not the right fit. I mean, listen, just it's, not. it's not a good or bad thing. It's it's finding the right people for the right seats. And that's internal too, right? You got to make yep. sure that you're putting people in the right seat. You're, you're giving them all the tools to succeed, right? I always just say that to people. It's like, look, the reason why I'm putting monitoring and process in place isn't because I want to micromanage you because I, I hate micromanagement. It's so that I can make Terrible. sure that I'm, I'm not second setting you up for failure. And that's the biggest mistake that we make as people who run businesses is you put these people into places without getting all the real fact detail and plugging all that stuff in. And the next thing you know, they're in a place where they hate, it's not working out. And sometimes you have to realize, did I do that? Did I set them up for failure? So I always explain that up front too. Here, look at this is the reason why we're doing all these things. Because if I can find areas that I haven't delivered on, I want to make sure that I'm giving you everything you need to succeed. And that that yep. usually sets things moving forward. And Keith, uh, Keith threw in there, which I like. Uh, seriously, he sees staff liking to have the same perks as owners. Use of company cabins, let them travel the same way owners travel. Uh, I think it makes them feel part of the family. And I agree with that. I, I, I absolutely agree. And I also think that it's a, I don't understand why companies freak out about unlimited PTO because Dude. I got to be honest with you. The first time we did that, I did get a little panic, but that was a long time ago. That was before now, but still I got really panic stricken when I saw that. And then I realized most of the people who work in your company that feel like part of the family, you have to force them to take time you off. You have to force place. them to take time off. They're kids. not even taking the time yeah. off. Like, so everybody says to me, well, what if they take five weeks? Okay. What if they we'll don't? Be all right. And they, what if they don't and they get burned out? What if, you know, there's yep. so many different things about that. So yeah. And yep. by the way, the good people never take the five weeks. They barely take one. And you're usually saying, they, Hey man, I'm going to make a mandatory vacation for you. <laughs> yep. That's my, my director of operations. I have to remind him to take time off. We've had uh, unlimited PTO policy for the last two years. And yep. uh, there's been a couple of people who, you know, go overboard with it and, you know, you course correct, or you just find that they're not the right fit. And to your point, or to whomever said it, we did have an employee who took five weeks off, man, it, it, that afforded him the opportunity to, uh, to go visit his family overseas. And, you know, and when you're traveling that far, what are you gonna do? Take three days? Come on. So right. by the time he was done, and he was on his way back, he was tired of seeing his wife, he was tired of seeing his kids, and he was ready to come back and work, you know, <laughs> like he was, he was ready to come back and work. And it was really good. And I think well, it's great well, that we can offer those type of opportunities. Yeah. And the funny part about that is, do you really want a really good employee to leave because you didn't give them that time? Because in the end of the day, if you can't give them those five weeks, it's on you. It's not on them. 
It is. It's on you. You have to build your company to have process, procedure, metrics. And by the way, the same way you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket on having one super huge client and the rest not even percentage-wise keeping up with that. So if you lost that, you're done. You don't want your employees, to, you don't want all your stuff to be on that one employee that you're like, oh, we, if this guy ever left, man, we'd oh, be in trouble. It's, it's so good to get to the point where someone could take five weeks off because what if they just leave? Yep. Right? So you have to be able to be able to run your company regardless of what employee is not there for whatever given reason. Um, and that really takes you to the next level when you're able to do that. And it's all, it's like I say simple and people get mad at me, but it's simple because you, if you follow process, EOS was mentioned, EOS is a big deal um, to really get your operations in check. And it, believe me, it's not easy. Again, nothing worth doing is, but right. if you want to get your stuff in that position and do that, and I highly recommend hiring somebody to do to run to run those EOS get you through the EOS because as good as your people are internally sometimes it can be too much of a burden to have to do that and run through all that so I highly recommend that as well um, Shane we're we're coming up on time here I, I you know we're gonna close it out here but I, I really this is a great conversation we probably could have had a three-hour conversation yeah. hiring and and everything around the MSP space just in general is is it's all good stuff and it's all stuff that we want to learn and expand. Um, where can people find you at Shane, if they wanted to find you? So if they want to find me directly, uh, LinkedIn is a great, great space. I try and be pretty active on there. Uh, Shane Mishler. If you want to find out more about SD tech, uh, SD hyphen tech.net, you'll find all of our information there. And uh, yeah, I look forward to building some new relationships with everybody. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Shane, take, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to pop on here and, and especially talk about something that really wasn't just about you. It was about the community and helping the community. Right. So love that. Um, just a reminder to everybody, these sessions are all recorded and saved. MSPinitiative.com, uh, MSP just making sure that was right. And um, <laughs> there's, they're saved there. They're on YouTube. You can podcast. They're all over the place. So you're able to watch these things. They're recorded. George is here every Tuesday and Thursday with new guests having great conversations. You know, so I'm glad Shane carried me on this one, gave me a little bit of extra love on this without George here. So maybe <laughs> maybe this one wasn't so bad. But again, thanks thanks very much for, for joining us, Shane. Thank you, everybody out there. And um, George, we'll see you all on Thursday. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.